In a few minutes, I'm going to be reading from John chapter 17. If you want to go ahead and get a head start, you can turn there. If you don't have a Bible, we will have the verses on the screen. But I want to start a series, and I'm not going to do this every week. I'm going to do it off and on throughout the fall, maybe through the rest of this year. But I want to talk to you about what's going on. What's going on? How many can remember the 70s? Or you've heard about the 70s. You listen to some of the music from the 70s. You know, Picket lines and picket signs. Don't punish me with brutality. Oh, what's going on? How many remember that? Little, little Marvin Gaye, huh? That, that's what Marvin Gaye would have sounded like if he'd been a baritone, okay? But instead of like, oh, what's going on? So... Now you know what I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> but you know, over the past several months, I've heard so many people ask that question. What is going on? What's happening in our world? Things are changing so fast, it seems like. And, you know, in the big picture, people are saying, what's going on? In, in little snippets of life, people are saying, I don't understand. What's going on? And, you know, for many of us who've lived a few years, we're asking, what's going on? What's going on with people, with our society, with our nation, with families, with our world, with our schools? What in the world is going on? It seems the past two or three years have really changed a lot of our world and turned some things upside down. And even to the extent that for a lot of people, what we've always believed and how we've always lived is being challenged so we're being bombarded with a lot of questions and a lot of anger. So over the next several weeks, off and on, I want to address some of these questions from Scripture because God's Word talks about all these things. And let me give you a quick disclaimer this morning. Usually when you hear a TV commercial and they give you a disclaimer, it happens real fast. You know, don't take this if you're allergic to it because it could kill you. So, you know, stuff like that, but they say it real fast. Here's my disclaimer this morning. I cannot teach and establish direction for other churches. I don't have that authority. It's not my job. But I hope to use this teaching series to help people understand how we, the Bridge Church, will address the challenges of our world and how we can navigate life today. So let's get into this series and the first session today. I want to talk about what's going on with people. There is so much turmoil. Have you noticed? So many people are in turmoil. There is so much anger out there. And a lot of us are wondering, what is going on with people? So today, I, I want to address the core, the foundation of this problem. And I'm going to break my message today into three parts. So part one, the first part, I want to tell you two stories. Two stories from the Bible. I'm not going to have you read them because we don't have all the time to do that. But I'm going to tell you the first two People and God stories in the Bible. Way back in the book of Genesis, chapters 3 and 4. The first two God and people stories in the Bible. Because they are stories of deception and compromise. That's what's going on with people today in our world. Deception and compromise. So let me set the scene for you. We sang a little bit about it this morning in one of the songs. But God created everything. He created the world, the earth, its fullness. He created galaxies, and he created everything in the earth, and then he created mankind. The Bible says he created them male and female, 
And the first two were named Adam and Eve. Most of us know that story. But here's what happened. When God finished creation and he created mankind, Adam and Eve, man and woman, Scripture says he blessed them. He blessed them. And when God blessed them, he did three things. He gave them authority over the garden and over everything on the earth. He then gave them a purpose. He said, tend the garden, take care of it, and you can eat the fruit of the garden. And the third thing God did was he established boundaries. He said, everything in the garden, every tree there, you can eat of it, except one tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, leave it alone, don't partake of it, because the day you eat of it, you will surely die. The original writings, what it literally says was, and dying, you will die. It was speaking of two deaths. It was speaking of a spiritual death being separated from God. And then it was also the promise that when you partake of that tree, your body will begin to die. Your years will be ended. They'll be shortened. From the moment that God blessed mankind in the garden, a war began. Because you see, God valued mankind above everything else that he'd created. Because he created man and woman. He created you and me in his own likeness. So when God looked into the eyes of his creation, he saw something of himself there. And he valued mankind above everything else. So he blessed mankind. And as soon as he did, a war began because Satan, who'd rebelled against God and been kicked down to the earth, Satan began to try to deceive mankind to devalue what God valued most. The war's been going on ever since that day. So let me give you these two stories real quickly in the first part of this message. First is the story of Adam and Eve. God put him in the garden, a utopia. He said, everything is yours except the one tree. Eat of everything except the one tree. One day, Eve is by herself and Satan comes in in a very cunning manner. Looks at Eve and says, did God really say you couldn't partake of every tree in the garden? Eve said, well, God said we can eat of all the trees except the one. There's one tree we cannot eat of because the day we eat of that tree, we'll die. And Satan snickered and said, it's not true. He's lying. The truth is the day you partake of that tree, you'll be like God. And you'll be able to know good and evil for yourself. You can rise up and rule your own life and be the judge of everything for yourself. All you need to do is forget about what God said and partake of the tree. So Eve did. And then she gave it to Adam and he ate of the fruit of that tree. You see, the point of this story is Satan came in with deception with half-truths, mistruths, lies. He took what God had said, he twisted it and turned it, and then Adam and Eve bought into the deception and the lies. And the deception led them into rebellion against God. You see, the very word deception, as it's used there, means to lead away from something. Satan began to lead Adam and Eve away from God by deceiving them. Is that really what God 
said. Then they went into rebellion, breaking God's laws and partaking of that which was not theirs. And see, when we discard God's truth and we act on other ideas, we enter into rebellion against God. Scripture calls it sin, and sin separated mankind from God. Deception, which leads to rebellion, says, I don't need God. I can be God. I can rule my own life, and I can make my own rules for life, and I will judge myself. That's why Adam and Eve partake, partook of the fruit of the tree. They wanted to be God and rule their very own lives. We know how they fell into sin. But Adam and Eve passed their fallen nature to their children and rebellion began to move to new places, new levels. Which leads me to the second story. Adam and Eve had first two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain tilled the soil. He was a farmer. Abel raised flocks. He was a rancher. And these two boys became adults. And we don't know all the story, how it developed. If Adam and Eve had already begun to bring sacrifices to God of worship, that might have been where they learned it. But sometime, at some point, God asked Cain and Abel to bring a specific sacrifice to him. Abel, who was the rancher who raised the animals, he brought the first and the best from his flock, and he offered it to God. The Bible says that God accepted his sacrifice. Now, how do we know God accepted his sacrifice? The Bible doesn't give us the details. Some Bible scholars believe God sent fire from heaven and it consumed the sacrifice, and it was a sign from God supernaturally. I received your sacrifice. But we don't know that for sure. But then it says that Cain came along and he did not bring what God asked for. He brought an offering of what he had raised, vegetables and fruits perhaps. And he gave it to God, but God would not accept his sacrifice. Now, picture that in your own mind. One brother comes, fire falls from heaven. <laughs> God accepts the sacrifice. Along comes Cain. He puts out his sacrifice, steps back. Nothing happens. God said, no, that's not what I asked for. And Scripture says that Cain stood there and he would not do what God asked for. But instead, he became angry. So angry. He was angry because God would not accept his sacrifice. And then he became angry with his brother because he did obey God. And God intervened and said, wait a minute, Cain, wait just a second. If you do what's right, your sacrifice will be accepted also. But if you don't do what's right, sin lies at your doorstep. And one of two things will happen. You will master it or it will become master over you. You see, in the story of Adam and Eve, it's deception which leads to rebellion. But in this story, it's compromise that leads to rebellion. You see, compromise replaces truth with something else. And when you replace truth with something else, 
It's a half-truth, a mistruth. It's a lie. You ever sign a contract and the salesman said, oh, this section says this, just go ahead and sign it, and later on you went back and read it and you found out there was a whole lot more to it? A half-truth is still a lie. So when we replace truth with something else, we're embracing a lie. Compromise rejects truth and embraces rebellion. And you know, in essence, what Cain said was, I'll give God what I want to give him. And he'll have to learn to like it. I will create my own truth. I will sear and burn God's laws from my conscience. And then I can be my own judge. And isn't that what we see in our world today? People say, I don't need God to give me truth. I don't need anybody else to tell me what truth is. I will decide for myself what is moral, what is of value. I will determine my own truth. I will live by it. And when my life is over, it doesn't matter because I am God and I live by my own truth. Something's interesting in this. Even today in our world, we see this happening. Cain was so angry with his brother because his sacrifice was accepted. They got out in the field together. Cain killed his brother. Today in our world, you see people who compromise the truth of God's word and put other things in as substitutes. And what do they do when they hear the truth from believers? They get angry and they want to fight. It's happening in our world today. These two stories tell us what's going on with people. It's been happening since the beginning. People choose deception so they can be God over their own lives. People compromise so they create their own value system and their own systems of truth. But there's one problem with that. Hebrews 9 tells us every one of us someday will die. And when that happens, we stand before God and give an account for our lives. And when we stand before God, we're not judged by our truth. We're judged by his truth. That's from God's word. And it's been going on ever since the beginning. But having said that, I want to move to the second part of my message. We're going to get into John 17. In John 17, Jesus is praying for his disciples. And if you read all the prayer, and I don't have time to read it all today, but if you read all the prayer, he's not only praying for his disciples then, he's praying for those of us who would believe in the future as well. So I'm going to jump in the middle of this prayer because Jesus addresses something here that all of us would have to ask about. The question is, what is truth? In a world of rebellion and compromise, in a world of so much deception, what is truth? truth. Let's jump in the middle of this. John 17, verse 14. Jesus is praying. We have the verses on the screen. Here's what Jesus prayed. Father, I have given them your word. I want to pause here just a moment. I've given them your word. If you go back and look at John chapter 1, verse 1, John said, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. A little bit later in the chapter, he says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. What John establishes theologically in John chapter 1 is Jesus was God's message to mankind. 
Jesus came to tell us what God thought, to tell us what God was like, and to show us what God was like. Jesus was God's word, his message. God sent his son and says, go down and tell him this, 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 and this, and show him who I am and what I am. And Jesus came as the word of God to a lost, dying world. When Jesus is praying, he says, Father, I've given them your word. It's very important. Let's read on. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Next verse. Father, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Now now stop here just a moment. Because Jesus begins to paint this picture. He says, Father, I've taken them out of the world and I've put them in a different kingdom. And I'm praying you would keep them. Don't take them out of the world, but keep them by your power and keep them from the evil one. Let's go back to the garden. Let's go back to Cain and Abel. What did the evil one do? First, he came to deceive, to lead into rebellion, and then he came to bring compromise to take us away from the path of God. Jesus said, Father, keep them from following in those footsteps. Verse 16. Jesus says, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. We teach this all the time. The word church in the New Testament means to be called out, called out of darkness into light, out of one kingdom into a different kingdom. And Jesus says, Father, I know and they know they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. But then verse 17, the last verse I want to show you here. Jesus said, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Let's pause here a moment. Sanctify is a church word. It's a religious word. We don't really use that in our, in our verbiage in everyday life today. Sanctification, to sanctify something, simply means to take it out of something and set it apart for an intended use. It means to bring separation for a purpose. Jesus said, Father, sanctify them, set them apart by your word. Sanctify them. Set them apart by your word. Let your word shape their lives so they will be different from those who've been led into deception and compromise. And then Jesus said this. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is We started this passage, verse 17. Jesus said, Father, I've given them your word. Verse 17, he says, Father, set them apart by your word because your word is the truth. Everybody say, the truth. truth. Your word is the truth. In a deceived, confused world where people are running in all directions, making up their own rules, God's word is still truth. Always has been, always will be. So in these verses, real quickly, there's three things I want you to see. Three principles that Jesus made clear. Number one, there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of this world. That's a kingdom of deception and lies. And then there's the kingdom of God. It's a kingdom of truth. There's a kingdom of darkness 
and there's a kingdom of light. And the way you move from one kingdom into the other is to understand truth and embrace it for yourself and let that truth shape your life. So Jesus talked about two kingdoms. Number two, Jesus said as we live by God's truth, it sets us apart from the lies of the world, the deception of the world. And then the third thing Jesus said was God's word is the truth. The word word there in the original writings is the word logos, which literally means what God says. Your word, what you say is truth. So God says, here's the truth. I give you my word. You can build your life on this. And Jesus said, that's what separates us from the kingdom of the world. When we accept Christ as our Savior, he becomes the Lord of our life. And then this word, God's word, Jesus, the power of Jesus, the work of the Spirit of God, begins to change us from the inside out. We become the people of God. That's what the Bible teaches. Now, before I go to part three, let me share a couple more thoughts. We live in a society today, and this is not new. It's been going on for a long time. We live in a society and a world today that is replacing the truth of God's word with all kinds of things. Half-truths, myths-truths, absolute down-out lies. We must fill our hearts and our minds with God's truth. And I'll, teach, I'll show you why here in a couple minutes. We must daily choose to accept God's word as truth and the only foundation for our lives. Now, let me give you a biblical illustration of this. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 Jesus is giving us what's called the Sermon on the Mount. At the end of that Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7, Jesus makes this statement. He says there's two men. One's a wise man, one's a foolish man. The wise man builds his house on a rock. And when the storms of life come, they beat against the house, but it survives and the storms are gone and he lives to a better day. But the foolish man builds his life on sand. And the storms of life beat on that house and break it down. And the foundation washes away and the whole house is destroyed and he loses his life. Jesus said the wise man is the man who builds his house on God's word. He hears the word of God and he does the word of God. The foolish man is the man who rejects the truth of God's word. See, it's not, it's not my story, it's Jesus' story. And he told us the truth. And you know, there is truth. There is absolute truth. What God says. When God talks about a topic and he says something, God is telling the truth. Scripture says it's impossible for God to lie. Scripture also says it's impossible for Satan to tell the truth. So who are you going to believe? But we also find out they're not, only, not only is there truth, but there are lies. And we choose what we believe and we live according to our choices. Until the day of judgment, and on judgment day, there are no excuses for what we did with the truth. Now remember, I'm, I'm laying foundation for what we're going to talk about all throughout this fall. But I want to go to the last part of this message. Because in the third part... We talked about what's happening with people, deception, 
rebellion, compromise, displacement of truth, more rebellion. We talked about what is truth. God's word is truth. But the third thing is, how do we prepare ourselves to live a godly life? How do we prepare ourselves to live by God's word? Three things. Number one, we need to know the truth. We were just reading from John 17. Jesus says, Father, set them apart by your truth. Your word is truth. So number one, we need to know the word of God. There's a verse of scripture in the Old Testament, Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. And God says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. See, what's, what's the old saying? Well, what you don't know can't hurt you. Tell that to the IRS when they audit your records. <laughs> For that, what is it, 1,800 agents they're about to hire new agents because we don't take in enough money in this country. So when they come knock on your door, tell them, well, I didn't know. And they say, oh, okay, if you didn't know, that's fine. Don't worry about it. It's, it's all right. It's not how it works. What we refuse to know, what we push away and say, I just don't want to know, it can bring destruction to our lives. So I need to know the truth. You say, well, what's so important about it? If I don't know the truth, then there's no way that I can recognize lies. Think about that. If I don't know the truth, there's no way I can recognize lies. Uh, I've used this illustration many times. Pastor Corey used it not long ago. He's trying his best to be like me. Um, but... <laughs> He can't do Marvin Gaye, though. <clears throat> but it, here's the thing. If, if the police department or the government begins to try to identify counterfeit money, how do you determine what is fake money? You compare it to the real thing. You don't compare fake with fake. You, com you compare fake with the real thing. And the real thing exposes the fake. But if you don't have the real money, you won't know when you're dealing with fake money. If you don't have the truth of God, you don't know when you're dealing with lies. We need to know God's truth. And folks, hear me. A lot of you are new to the Bridge Church. And what I'm going to be teaching this fall is really going to help you understand how we navigate life and what's going on in our world. But I want you to hear this today. I'm a pastor. I'm a shepherd. I'm trying to lead people to follow Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. There is no excuse for us not reading God's word to know what truth is. Statistics show that the average Christian in America today goes to church less than twice a month. If you don't open your Bible and read on your own, you're not going to learn a lot in a month. Everybody smile at me. Everybody nod your head because I know you're all reading your Bible every day, okay? So just nod your head. As long as you're nodding your head, smiling, and saying amen, people say, oh, he's spiritual. She's spiritual. So keep doing that. But, he, but here, here's the point. If you've been walking with God very long and you haven't read one of the Gospels, you need to open your Bible and read. If you don't know who Jesus is, if you don't know what he taught, you won't know how to follow him. This is good. All right. It, this. Here's the thing. I'm. I'm, I, tell, I tell you all the time, I'm, I've reached middle age. 
I'm, I'm going for 120, so I'm halfway there. Well, a little over halfway there. Maybe I'll go for 140, then I'll be halfway there. I'm, I'm, I'm in midlife. I'm getting ready to buy a gold chain and a sports car and all that stuff. I'm, I'm getting to that place. I already got the sports car. I'm getting ready to buy the gold chain next. <laughs> Lord, help me not to get distracted here. I've been preaching 47 years. That, that, that's a lot of years. I'm old enough now. I've been doing this long enough. I'm secure enough in my walk with God to tell you, if you don't like some of the things that I'm saying from Scripture, you're not going to hurt my feelings anymore. Used to, you know, when I was young, it would hurt my feelings. I'm going to tell you the truth because I'm going to lead you closer to God, not farther away from God. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you my best shot. And and I'm going to tell you, you need to take time. Stay out of the book of Revelation right now, okay? Everybody says, oh, I want to get into the supernatural gifts of the Spirit in the book of Revelation. Read about Jesus. Find out who he is. Let him become the Lord of your life. Let him shape your life. And then we go on from there. But you've got to know truth. Because if you don't know truth, you can't recognize lies. Number two, we need to embrace the truth. In other words, embrace it means to make it yours. This is going to be my truth. God said this, it's going to be my truth. It's going to be my truth. It's not just God's truth. It's going to be my truth. Embrace it. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I love those verses. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Okay? Paul said, I'm encouraging people to give all their lives to God and follow God wholeheartedly. Well, how am I going to do that? Verse 2 tells us how. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. Be totally changed from the ways of the world by the renewing of your mind. Now, let me show you a couple things in this verse. I told you first, we need to know God's word. Number two, we need to embrace it and say it's my truth too. So here's what has to happen. Paul says, if I'm going to follow God wholeheartedly, I have to learn his truth And then I have to begin to think the way God thinks. Stay with me. By the renewing of your mind. In the original writings, the word for renewing means to renovate. Let me ask you. How many of you have, in the past year or two, five years, whatever, how many of you have redecorated your house? Most of your hands. Okay, let me do it this way. How many of you husbands, your wife has redecorated your house? All right. I knew I'd get a better response there. It's, it costs some money, and it's, it's some work involved, right? But renovating is different from redecorating. It's not about painting and hanging new pictures. Renovating means I'm going to rip out bathtubs, and I'm going to rip out cabinets and sinks. I'm going to put in new cabinets, new countertops, new bathtubs, new flooring. I'm going to move this wall around. I'm going to change that room around. I'm going to do that. And when you get into it, it's dirty, it's nasty, it's a lot of work, and it takes a lot of time. What Paul is saying in this passage of Scripture is, if we're going to serve God wholeheartedly, we have to know his word, and then we begin to think as our minds are renovated to function with the truth of God rather than the truth of the world. 
I begin to think differently than I used to think because I was deceived, I was compromised, I believed lies, but now I don't believe those lies. I'm following Jesus wholeheartedly. So I need to embrace God's word for myself. And then there's a third thing. John chapter 8, I'll read you a couple verses in a second. We need to learn to live the truth of God. Know it, embrace it, and then live it. John chapter 8, I'm almost finished, so stay with me. John 8, verse 31. Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are really my disciples. The real disciples are those who are living the word, living the truth. But the next verse, here's what Jesus said. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That verse gets used by all kinds of people for all kinds of settings. It's not used in its holy intent most of the time. You hear it all the time. Oh, you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Jesus said when you continue and you live in the word, then you understand the truth, and the truth liberates you from the lies and the deception of the past. And your life becomes blessed in God. That's what Jesus was saying. So I need to know the truth. I need to embrace the truth. And then I need to live the truth. Because the truth is based on the whole of God's word. Not just a piece here and there. Truth is applicable to my life. It will shape me. It will change me. Truth creates faith in me. Not doubt. Truth brings me closer to God, not further away. Truth makes me more like Jesus, not less like Jesus. So I come to the end of this message today. What's going on with people? Well, either you're following God or we're being led away by deception and compromise. One of two things. To close this message... I want to go back to Cain and Abel, back to their story, just for a second. When Cain was buying into lies and deception and compromise and saying, I'm going to do it my own way, God stopped and said, wait a minute, Cain. Wait, wait. You don't have to go down that road. I'm going to give you a chance to move in the right direction. I'm going to give you a chance to make some adjustments in your life and wholeheartedly follow me. Cain walked away and killed his brother. What happened then is happening now in this room. God is saying, wait a minute. You don't have to stay on that road. You can change roads right now. You can choose to follow me. At the end of this message, I'm going to pray a prayer. It's a twofold prayer. First, I want to pray that God would make adjustments in our heart. You know, I told you, I'm a pastor. I can't preach these messages without, first of all, God just using his word to examine my life. When I preach something like this, I'm looking at me before I'm even looking at you. But here's the point. We choose to follow God or we choose to compromise and rebel against God. I want to pray today that whatever's going on in your heart and in your life, You would stop and just say, God, I'm going to make the adjustments. I'm going to follow you wholeheartedly. Change my thinking. I want to know truth. I want to embrace truth. And I want to live truth.
Bow your heads this morning if you would. Father, today we come to you and we ask for your help. God, I need you. I ask you to keep making adjustments in my life. Make me more like Jesus. Make me what you want me to be. Mold and shape my life by your word. Set me apart from the world by your word because your word is truth. Help me to know truth and embrace it and let it shape my life. God, I pray today for every person in this room that if there is an adjustment we need to make in our thinking, if, if we're compromised, if we're believing a falsehood, if we're beginning to move in the wrong direction, I pray you'd convict us and show us right now that we might make an adjustment in our thinking and turn our hearts to you. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for Christ, for the sacrifice he made on Calvary. We accept that sacrifice as full payment for our sins. We choose to follow you. While heads are still bowed and eyes are closed, I want to lead you in a prayer. Give every person listening to this online or in this room today an opportunity, maybe for the first time, to open your heart to God. Maybe you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. Maybe you've never asked God to come into your life. It all begins with the prayer saying, God, help me. I need you. So I want to lead you in that prayer today. And I'm going to ask everybody listening to this to pray this prayer with me right out loud. You don't have to scream the words, but pray it with me. Let's pray this prayer. Say, God, I need you. I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I give everything back to you. Mold me and shape me. Help me learn your word. Let your word change me from the inside out. Make me what you created me to be. I accept Christ as my Savior. I choose him to become the Lord of my life. Teach me your ways. I will follow you. Thank you for calling me. Thank you for receiving me. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, maybe even for the very first time, God's going to begin to work in your life. But it's not the end of the journey with him. It's only the beginning. We want to help you begin that journey with God. We want to help you walk out that journey for the rest of your life. It all begins with that prayer, but we want to give you a little booklet that will help you get started in your walk with God. It's called The Next Seven Days. If you're watching online, there are instructions on your screen as to how you can get that booklet. If you're in the house today, two, two ways you can get it. Number one, at the conclusion of service, we'll have prayer teams down front. They're here to pray with anyone for any need. If you just walk up to one of those teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there, no strings attached. If you're in a big rush, you can go out in the lobby and there's a counter set up right in the middle of the glass doors where you exit. You'll see a screen the next seven days. You can stop by there, get the same booklet, just ask for it. We'll give it to you. If you want something more, we'll talk with you. We'll pray with you. If you just want to get it and go, that's fine. We want to help you get started walking with God. And today, we want to welcome you to the family of faith, the family of God. Would you put your hands together? Let's welcome new believers into God's family. Now, most Sundays at the end of service, someone will come up at this time and just talk to you about our giving and thank you for your giving. 
I'm going to do that today because, like I said earlier, a couple of our pastors are out of town. Pastor Ann's in a meeting right now. Pastor Corey, you've already heard from him today. And how many of you know once in a Sunday is enough to hear from Pastor Corey? So, no, I'm kidding. Corey, Corey is awesome. For those of you who wonder, I love Corey. He is awesome. And it's mostly because of his wife. Got to say that. But here's the thing. I, I want to say to you today, thank you so much for your faithfulness and giving. Our church is blessed because of God's blessing and because of your faithfulness. I know that. I recognize it. And it, Every service, every Sunday when, when we do this, I have to stop and remember, our giving to God, this time of giving and offering to Him, our giving to God is really a celebration of God's goodness. God, you've been good to me, and I want to give back to you and your work for your goodness in my life. So... I hope you'll recognize that, and as God has blessed your life, you'll give today, and I promise you, God will bless you as you are faithful to Him. Because of you, we're, we're touching our community. We're making a difference really around the world through a lot of ministries we're involved with. So thank you so much. God bless you. I love you. Have you enjoyed being in church today? Hey, we'll see you next Sunday. Have a great week.